We're glad to have with us Deputy Chief of the Criminal Investigation Division of the Bureau of Police in Erie, Pennsylvania, Mike Nolan. Welcome, Mike. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Appreciate you being here, Chief Nolan. Uh, all right, so we've met your brother, John, and uh, he is a Deputy Chief of Patrol. Um, uh, we got to get your, your, your family story here. Was there always that kind of that uh, law enforcement thread with your family? No, not not at all, really. Uh, we had kind of a, 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 a troubled childhood, my brother and I okay. both. Um, we we moved around a lot. Uh, there was some um, some family issues, some domestic issues going on, and uh, I I really didn't have many interactions with police. No family of ours was in the police department. Uh, I just I happened to at a high school uh, shortly after graduating. I got a job as a roofer and I was roofing and uh, they were given a police test one day and I went down and took it at the same time. My brother was in the Marine Corps. Wow. Uh, so I got on the job when he came out of the Marines, he took a test and he also got on the job. Wow. And, and how long have you been at the force now? 27 years. Wow. And, and you became deputy chief just in the last couple of years, right? Yes. In January of 2018. Okay. Uh, so with the new mayor. Yes. That myself, the chief Spazarni, uh, my brother, John Nolan, uh, Inspector Mark Sanders, he's our internal affairs inspector, okay. and uh, Captain Rick Laura. So there were five of us that were put in our positions at that time. And uh, what would you say, what are, what are levels like at the police force? Do you, do you, are you at full complement right now? Well, our complement was reduced. So in the sense that we are, we are uh, working at that num current number of 173, uh, right now we are about to hire uh, somewhere between four and six Okay. Uh, within the next month. It, some of that depends on the timing. We have some officers that have already uh, departed retirements and so forth. And we also have a few more that uh, have committed to leaving in the next month or so. So out of that, we, we have four confirmed we're going to fill and possibly as many as six. So we're, we're down a few right now. Last time your brother John was here, we were talking about diversity and some of the, some of the positive outreach to kind of get out there to uh, diversify the the talent pool, if you will, uh, for the police force, and we also did it for the fire department. Um, but that we're you're going to be drawing from last year's talent pool, is that correct? Yes, uh, we we drastically changed the uh, testing system that we use at the Erie Police Department. Uh, we're still working under civil service, but the testing has now been taken over by Mercyhurst and the consortium testing. Uh, so those who take that test, they're eligible to be hired and by a large number, over 20 departments in our yeah. area. And yes, so we, do, we were doing testing every two years. Now we do testing once a year. It's in early August. And by the time the scores get calculated... Uh, the new list gets us, I believe we start September 1st with a new list. So okay. we're working from September 1st of last year until September 1st of this year. So um, any any thoughts of how that that positive uh, outreach has been going for the, the folks that will take the test this August? Have you heard anything? I, it, uh, well, we'll we'll see when they when they okay. uh, when we get these when they show up for the test because they don't okay. ask any questions about race when they're applying. So when they show up, we can kind of gauge from there what whether gotcha. or not we're being successful in that regard. It's not more than just race; it's also gender too. Yes. You're trying to get. Um, do you have any um, 
Female detectives in CID? Yes. Okay. We have, right now we have two. We have one who's a lieutenant, Lieutenant Julie Kemling. She is in charge of the uh, white collar and property crime. Uh, they handle financial crimes, thefts mainly. Um, we also have uh, a detective within that unit, uh, Roberta Raskowski, and she okay. also uh, works the same type of investigations. Again, you've been on the job for a long time, so you know the ebbs and flows of the Erie Police Department. Yes. There was a time that I remember where they despecialized the the officers. You, you know, I remember uh, back years ago where there was a domestic violence unit. There was, you know, there was a what I can't remember. They, yeah, there was a, a number crisis for unit, and we had yeah, we had a family crisis unit. I can't remember what the unit number was, yeah. but. But yes. they, they would call that yeah. unit and, and there were, you know, you know, there, there, you know, of course you talked about vice, you know, the vice squad and like all of these different specialties within the department. Then that kind of went away as that started coming back where, where an officer could really kind of lean in on a, a specialty, whether it's in CID or in patrol. Well, there are some areas where we do, you need to have a specialized training and experience. Um, and not just any officer can go in and do certain types of things. Um, for example, our crime scene guys. Uh, we have crime scene unit, and they are uh, highly trained in evidence collection. Uh, now we have DNA. I mean, d these are all advancements in, in uh, law enforcement. But uh, as technology advances, we have, to be, we have to do our best to keep up with it. Sure. Uh, we have cell phone uh, forensics that we have an officer trained to perform. We have... A computerized voice stress analyzer, which is basically a uh, uh, it's 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 a modern day equivalent of a lie detector, mm -hmm. a polygraph type. But this this works completely differently. Uh, and Do you use that in the field or mostly in the interrogation? No, that those like are in, those in are uh, scheduled interviews that happen in the Erie Police Department. Okay. Uh, they th there is a way I think to take it mobile, but we don't operate like that. Right. It's a not that often that that's used. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a lot of pre-employment screening screenings for the police department. Sure. And on, and on some occasions in crime investigations, but uh, yeah, there is a, a you just get develop a knack. For example, the financial crimes. Right. Um, we yeah. have we have people that have gotten very good at that, and they've developed contacts at a lot of the banks, and uh, really know how to navigate their way through some of the credit card company uh, uh, policies and procedures and privacy issues. Um, so yes, there are those that specialize and they tend to drift in one direction and just kind of drill down on, on that certain slice of, of, of crime basically. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, are you alarmed at, you know, how, uh, in one of the conversations we've had with your brother and with the other fo folks in kind of the law enforcement world is that the amount of, uh, of gang related violence and the amount of, you know, gun violence has dropped but the amount of domestic violence has really risen in the last year or so. Yes, that's, uh, that has been a disturbing trend that we've, that we've noticed. And in fact, it's, it's not unique to our area either because we modeled this uh, unified Erie after uh, a Kansas City initiative mm -hmm. that was, it was very similar. And after they implemented their, uh, their effort to reduce the group-on-group -group gang violence, they did see a significant drop in that type of violence, but then they also saw a spike in domestic violence. And, and I know there is a tendency to try to find some connection. I don't see it, but that doesn't mean it's not worth looking at. And we have been trying to figure out what uh, could be leading to that. It's, we haven't really had a whole lot of success in being able to nail down what is causing it. However, we have taken steps to, to um, improve 
or reduce those types of incidents. Uh, we've worked with the Crime Victim Center. Uh, and now we do a, uh, what's called a, a uh, domestic threat assessment. Okay. So if we show up, if our officers respond to a domestic, uh, uh, a call for uh, some type of domestic family situation, there are certain criteria that would compel an officer to now uh, fill out a form. For example, if there are, if there are known to be firearms uh, involved or in the home, or if there were threats of, of, of uh, extreme violence made during the course of the domestic, our officers now, uh, it's an it's a extra step they take, but this information gets um, referred to the Crime Victim Center, and then they can do follow-up and reach out and determine if maybe at the time the officers are there, a lot of times simply us showing up, we're told to disregard, we're not needed anymore. Right, right. And, and, and so this gives a little bit more information to those that specialize in reaching out and, and uh, putting uh, these potential victims in touch with services that they might need. I would, yeah, whether it's SafeNet or, you know, the Crime Victim Center or something, you know, there could be some some opportunities as the as the calls come to make those referrals, to do the soft, those warm handoffs, I would think. Yes, yes. And, and we work closely with SafeNet. Uh, we have now have cell phones in the car that we can um, that we've been provided via grant that we can use. We can hand to uh, one party of a domestic. And so that they can use to make a call or they can they can communicate with someone uh, from SafeNet or the Crime Victim Center, whatever it may be, to see if there's anything that anything more that could be done. And at that particular time, if they if they need to be removed from the situation, because uh, a lot of times when we get there, it's hard to make sense of what happened. Domestic yeah. situations are really some of the most difficult calls for us to go to, because many times it's a it's, it's a he said, she said, we're seeing people at their worst. Um, we have to make a judgment call and, um, you know, our guys do our best to, to make sure they handle those the best way. But there are times where it just exceeds our ability to, to communicate and to get information and to find out what, what is really needed by, by some of the parties involved. And a lot of times it's, it's counseling, it's mental health, it's, it's some other issue that's going on too. We're talking to Mike Nolan. He's the deputy chief of the Criminal Investigation Division uh, of the Bureau of Police in the city of Erie. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we want to talk about some of the uh, uh, major successes uh, from CID into uh, cracking some cases here. Uh, I know one that uh, we definitely need to get to because uh, we were uh, just wringing our hands worried sick about um, the situation with uh, that poor little six-year-old boy, uh, Nyon Warren. Talking to Mike Nolan, Deputy Chief of the Criminal Investigation uh, Division at the uh, Erie Police Force. And you had mentioned uh, Unified Erie, and I'd love to get your perspective uh, because uh, what are we, we're up to our fourth call-in or third call-in. Um, I think it may be the fifth. Fifth call-in. And, and, and actually the numbers of of young people involved has shrunk because a lot of people have been responding to this course of action, haven't they? Yes. Um, it's been, it's been a controversial effort put forth, but we, you can't deny the results that we're seeing, uh, whether or not that that had an impact. I mean, I, that's for each, everyone else to decide on their own, but we initiated that. And as a result, uh, we have had a significant reduce in group on group violence. And um, yeah, the, there are times where we'll have a call in, we'll have just a few 
few show up. Yeah. Uh, and then there will, there will have times where we have uh, a higher percentage of those that were invited show up. And it doesn't matter if we only get a couple or if we get 15 or 20, uh, the message is the same. And those who attend uh, inevitably put that message out there one way or another. That message goes with them. Remind the message because it's basically you can, you can, door number one is all kinds of services and help. Door number two is, uh, is a, is a, a locked door. Yes. It's so it's, it's almost a uh, kind of a, an expanded version of the carrot and the stick type of a thing where these are though, th- those that are invited are, are through a very complex uh, data driven calculation uh, are connected to a large number of violent crimes, whether uh, they're present at them or uh, the, the, they, they associate with those who are committing these crimes and they may be in themselves involved, but, but what's offered to them there is uh, that the law enforcement and a lot of the social service agencies are unified in our effort to try to stop this. And so uh, we have uh, individuals like Michael Outlaw, we have Tyshawn Taylor, we have Daryl Craig, and these are all very, very uh, influential members of the black community in the inner city. And so they connect on a level that someone like myself or, or the chief, just we, we, we can't connect on that same level. Um, we have Vanessa Belen, who, who she lost a, a, a child right. to, to, to gun violence. Yvette Jennings, she lost a son to gun violence. They can connect. Uh, people see law enforcement and think that we're just, okay, we're, we all grew up uh, with a silver spoon in our mouth and we live mm-hmm. out in uh, a mansion somewhere and we're co- totally detached. It's just not true. But those that are there, I hear that message that we, we care about you. We want to see you succeed. Uh, we want to see you finish school and, and become a productive member of society and be safe. And we're going to help you do that by offering services, whether it's going back to school and finishing up uh, a high school GED or degree, uh, help getting help with job placement or job training uh, and any other counseling that they may need. Uh, and, and there's a variety of services that are offered. However, on the other side of that is is if you if you you're hearing this message now, and we have the U.S. attorney there, the, the D.A., I'm sure you've heard all of, all of that. And we're all looking at you now. We all, you've gotten this message. There's no excuses here moving forward. And so if you do not choose to take advantage of these services, then we are going to, in a unified effort, um, focus on you. And if you continue to commit these crimes, or if, you, if your members of your group continue to commit these crimes, then we are going to do a full, full court press on law enforcement on you. And it's for, down to the minor violations all the way up to the more serious ones. And um, the message has gotten out. We think it's, I think it's succeeded. I was skeptical of this when I first heard it, yeah. but uh, I'm, I, I think it's been a success. What about, uh, has there, has there been arrests based on, on the stick side of this where we're basically, you know what they're, they, they, uh, you know, say, forget you. And, uh, you know, and they, and they've been prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Yeah, there have been. And that's, that's, what's great about this is that, those that receive the message, uh, we, we remember who they are. We have a list of their names. We keep yeah. track. When they get caught up in a subsequent crime and they are charged, um, the, the DA is made aware. Uh, many times at, at sentencing, uh, post-conviction, the judge who's sentencing is made aware. Your Honor, this, is, this individual here had the benefit of being invited to a unified Erie call-in. And we're given the options and chose not to take advantage. So there is going to be a consequence if that behavior continues. Wow. And so I think that it's, it's, it's just 
read it's it's custom made for success if you choose to take it it's just you're in control here you can decide right. we got i want to switch here and and we might not have a, 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 enough time to talk about the whole thing but i want to introduce the subject here of the investigation of the hit and run with a six-year-old little six-year-old nyan warren and 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 again it's a tragic situation where where uh the child ran out into traffic and was hit but then that that driver did not stop yes and um we we as a community were erect for three weeks wondering why isn't this person giving himself up and he never did give himself up did he no he did not and uh it was only through some some excellent detective work and uh some assistance uh from the community. You no, know, something unique about this was we always hear about how nobody wants to talk to the police, nobody wants to uh, provide the police with any information. Well, that absolutely did not happen in this case. We had, uh, well, we had over 75 tips come in on the tip line, but there was probably at least that or maybe even double that number that came in right through the 911 center where wow. they people would call in because they believe they might be behind the vehicle. So we had a really, it was a community effort that assisted in this. and. And I, I, I really have to give a lot of credit to, to the detectives, and not just those assigned to the case, because we had two detectives assigned to it. All the detectives uh, in the major crime unit, as well as patrol, and uh, really everyone in the police department was on this. And, uh, but those lead detectives, I can tell you that you know, the effort they put forth, one of them was in a trial mm. uh, for a very serious crime. Uh, a couple of weeks after this tragic incident, he was in a trial for a separate issue, right. which he was, his, his workday was confined to that courthouse. However, he did have breaks on his breaks. He was coming over to the station and checking the tips that came in and wow. then leaving. If he had time, he'd go run out and try to, Hey, I, someone might say, I saw a vehicle that might be at parked here and he'd go and he'd check it. Uh, obviously there were some characteristics we were looking for. Um, I mean, I mean you, you pretty much in any kind of, collision of that nature there's going to be a telltale sign on that vehicle correct pretty much i mean there you would you would hope you know there are times though that there are vehicles that just are dinged up all around and so oh, okay uh, so you don't know which one fresh it is fresh damage you you like to think we could tell if it was fresh or not but as the as the time went on i mean we, we went a couple of weeks before we had a success here wow uh, did did you have any idea that there were that many surveillance cameras in Erie, Pennsylvania, because you were able to basically create a timeline from when the driver uh, took the, the, the employee to their home and then they went past uh, Buffalo Road and hit Nyon and went to the place. You, you basically were able to almost piece uh, footage, almost like the Zabruti film or whatever that is from, from JFK. I mean, you were able to put that kind of footage together, right? Yeah, there there was a significant amount of video, and I actually I was a bit surprised because although video now there's so much of it out there, we do find it in so many of our investigations, but uh, many times the systems aren't working. Mike Nolan is the deputy chief of criminal investigation at the uh, city of Erie uh, Bureau of Police. Uh, again, a, a multi-decade veteran and uh, a now running CID. Amazing work by your detectives in in uh, finally making an arrest in the case of six year old Nyon Warren, who's uh, hit by a hit and run. What was that? I think that was in April, I think, and uh, April 6th. 
and uh, it it took three weeks, but piecing together the the video, and you did get help from the community there with tips. Yes, yes, we did. Is is we did get significant assistance from uh, the community uh, officers too. Officers were out there looking around for the vehicle. Um, so m- many of the tips were the same vehicle. You know, there were maybe. 20 separate vehicles that people were calling about, but we had so many different people seeing them and calling them in. Uh, so. There was trouble when we first saw that first picture of, you know, what brand of minivan. Was that ever kind of cleared up or uh, was it more evident once you saw the physical evidence of the damage to the vehicle? Well, I'll, I, I'll stay away from that yeah, one okay, because, that, that's fine. because the case has not resolved sure. itself. But yeah, there, there, as more video was obtained and reviewed there were some characteristics that enabled us to get a very a specific narrow it down to a specific sure. vehicle um th- obviously it sounds like to me that if you have a business in the city might might be a smart thing to have an external camera oh I, at this point. I i i recommend it for not just businesses but homeowners too i i i i know that sometimes it might be frightening to think that we live in an era where everything you do out in public could be video recorded but um it's it's very helpful uh to law enforcement when there is a major crime that occurs um i know i have cameras in my home all around my okay. home yeah. uh, so and they're all around downtown erie um and so as 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 the technology gets better and cheaper more people can afford it so i think it's a it's a it's a blessing for us to be able to have access to that let me ask you about some other video surveillance and again say what you can or not can but another really uh, uh um, horrible crime that we're all wondering about is the stabbing at the culture club. Here, here we are. We thought that or supposedly this thing was a cyber study hall, a cyber cafe. Yeah. And, and it turns into a bottle club with all kinds of violence and, and bad behavior. Yes. Yeah. We had uh, a gunfight that were, our department got called to investigate uh, just a short time, a week or so before this stabbing incident, and both both incidents originated in in and outside of the club culture. Uh, that place has since been shut down, um, and to my knowledge, it it won't be reopening anytime soon at that location under the same uh, conditions. Now, the family has been outspoken in the media saying, if you, people were there, you know, there were dozens of people in the club. But they're not helping the CID in yeah. that case. Yes, yes, we're not. We have not received. Uh, well, it's, I'll, put, I'll, I'll put it this way: we have not uh, had a witness come forward and uh, cooperate to the extent of giving us an eyewitness account of what happened. Okay. We had people that acknowledged they were there, and uh, however, we have not had the witnesses th- that you would expect to have of a crime like this happening there. What about video? Uh, any any help that way? Um, there's some video uh, that our our detectives have obtained and are still reviewing okay. from outside. However, inside there was nothing. There was nothing. Um, another another crazy uh, case again. Say what you can. Uh, don't say if you can anything. But uh, Shaney and I were uh, at the <laughs> uh, we were at the uh, the convention center, right? Doing the what what right. show was that? That was the that was the RV show. Yes. And boy, we see Ch- uh, Chief Spizarni running down the hallway because there's this major gunfight 
at the at the at the garage. Now, um, obviously arrested and apprehended the the two uh, Belize brothers, but. We don't know anything else about anybody involved, or is there more coming out, do you think? Well, it's, a, it's still an open and ongoing investigation, and it's actively being investigated. Um, so uh, that part I'll stay away from. Sure. However, yeah, that, that the incident as it came in was a, uh, it came, I heard the call. I was actually on the way home, and it came in as an active shooter wow. down at the Courtyard Marriott. and. Um, that's not the call you want to hear go out. I mean, there's there's a variety of calls we hear that you don't want to hear, but this one here was uh, unique and how how uh, shocking it was to hear over the radio. Mm-hmm. So uh, myself and just about every other officer that was made aware of this ended up down there, and uh, we did we did uh, stop two individuals who we believe were involved and they've been charged, but there are others that we do not have in custody and we're still still working on that. Is, do you think that Erie could be a, a way station for for big deals between New York and Detroit or, or Chicago or wherever? Uh, it's it's possible. I mean, any location can serve as a as a meet spot for two people or two. I mean, they were groups. talking about eighty grand. Or, I mean, a big chunk of money for this. Yeah, thing. yeah, a kilogram of kilogram heroin. of heroin. It's and that's you know that's about as big as you get here in Erie. I mean, that's about the, as big of a, of a, of a load of drugs as you, you get. I mean, we had with cocaine, we had some shipments coming in that were much more than that, but mm-hmm. heroin's heroin's different. So about a kilo, that's a, that's a lot. And um, so that, you know, again, still an open investigation. There's a sure. drug angle, there's a drug angle. And then there's also uh, the, the, the gun violence. Angle. Yeah. The firefight. Yeah. So there's two kind of parallel investigations going on. Uh-huh. Our major crime units working on, on it, along with our drug advice unit. And, and how do the jurisdictions play out? Because obviously with drugs, is, isn't there a federal element there too? Yes. Uh, there, obviously, we, we, it's, it's been publicized that two of the individuals that we've arrested are not from here. They're from Chicago, mm-hmm. and then even prior to that, from Belize. So yes, we worked uh, with the, the federal law enforcement agencies that have um, had interest in that. And like a DEA? or We're still working with... with a variety of federal agencies okay, yeah. on that, yeah. Um, but but still, and not just, uh, there's some local agencies, too, that we've been working with, so. Okay. Yeah, it was one of those ones that, you know, that happened in Erie. It's, it's kind of shocking. And, and, and again, that, like the location, the big public the location. location. It, it, it was surprising to me once, we, once it started to unfold that that location was chosen because of it's just, it's a, it's a very, it's not the best place to do something like that. You got one way in and one way out of there, unless you got a boat or something, but, right. or a helicopter, but that, that didn't, they didn't have those. They had vehicles and they both came in and came out the same way. So, um, yeah, that's, and it's, there's so much, so many cameras around down there. Right. So, yeah. Why, why do it there? We, we had, and again, it was crazy how that was unfolding on the inside of the convention center insofar as people were, were watching what was it, Erie Alerts or something? I, mean, I don't know what the apps are out there, but they're they're listening to the radio calls, which I think are all going away with the new radio, yeah, supposedly, right? We won't be able to do that. Anymore. <laughs> oh boy, right? But uh, but the but the other thing that was reported is that that there were perps basically running all the way around, you know, basically Sassafras Pier, you know. I I mean, how, and then you wonder how do they get away? It's crazy stuff. Well, it was confusing because different witnesses saw different things and there were a lot of witnesses. And so 
as officers responded and started to speak with witnesses, pieces of information were being rate transmitted, which is right. what we expect to happen. However, some of that information was only a snippet of what really happened. And so at, after we pieced it all together, there was nobody running loose in there um, okay. at the time we arrived. However, um, what was seen was we accounted for that. And there were okay. some things that happened afterwards. So, yeah, just the information came out in the wrong order. So it did sure. sound that way, though. That's what I heard. And that's what I thought. So it was thank goodness that wasn't the case. And, and just just to that point of, of how the media impacts you know, I mean, there's there's that immediate kind of uh, real time, you know, whether it's going over Twitter or eerie alerts or what have you. Um, and, and then there's like, OK, here's the full story, you know, as as the, as the investigators are handling it. Uh, does the media help hurt or is it neutral for guys like you? Well. <laughs> uh, are you guys classified as media? I, I mean, think we are. Yeah, I mean, well, I can tell we're you using that, the transmitter. No, we have a good in Erie. We have a real good relationship with media. So for us, and on my specific experience, um, we haven't had we haven't had not had problems with uh, the media hindering our investigations, um, at least in the recent past. Uh, you know, but there is always a risk um, of the wrong information getting out, and that damaging or hindering our investigation or causing a, un, a panic that, that right. doesn't, it doesn't, there's no need for it doesn't exist. Um, I think sometimes that right to put information out there needs to be weighed against what, what damage could be caused by that information going out at the time it is, because it may not be correct. Um, so we don't, we don't hear the information and automatically know that it's true. We may get information. We have mm. to verify some of this information before uh, we start to take it as, as, as the truth. Sure. Uh, so uh, while we're talking about quote active shooters, I really want to ask you uh, what your confidence level is in, in the, and again, you're responsible for the, 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 uh, the schools in the city of Erie school district, but you can, you can weigh in on the entire region here. Are, are we, are we fortified and are we trained uh, in Erie County? for some of the horrors that, that we keep on seeing over and over again in, in, uh, across the country when it comes to school-related shootings? I can tell you that uh, um, we have a great working relationship with the school district and the school district police, uh, the sheriff's department, and all the surrounding law enforcement agencies, even parole and probation, uh, the Erie County detectives. Um, we all train regularly for uh, this mass, casu mass casualty incident, okay. um, active shooter. It has become a very important uh, part of our, our our training program. And we get a lot of training at the Erie Police, and I know a lot of the other agencies have increased their training significantly in light of these mass shootings. Um, you asked if I was confident. I'm confident that we are doing everything we possibly can to be prepared. If on the law enforcement on side. On the law enforcement what side. What about on the, what, what, is, what, what should schools be doing? I mean, you're a professional. Are, are schools doing what they can do? Again, there's there's financial issues and there's, you know, there's uh, freedom of access issues. And if those issues weren't, uh, I, I mean, if from strictly law enforcement standard, uh, I would lock down the schools just like you lock down the courthouse or um, any other uh, public. Restricted, yeah. yeah. And so but there are other considerations uh, th th to consider. And the law, the, the school district. They're the experts on that. I can just tell you that 
Um, restricting access is one of the biggest things you can do to limit uh, the possibility of an active shooter. How, how uh, as, as far as for commercial concerns, you know, sometimes you do, you know, I, I remember uh, uh, I used to work for a church. We had a location uh, in the, in the Federal Hill neighborhood. And one Sunday morning, we just, we just came to church and our windows were smashed in. Is, is, is there, is, is that kind of crime still kind of out there? Or, I, I mean, again, there's a lot of drug induced crime where people are just like looking for a little something to pay for their addiction. Is that possible? Yeah, there, but we'll, there's kind of two answers there. Yes, there's still that kind of crime out there where we'll have a, um, a you know, an overnight, we'll, we'll get a lot of calls in the morning about a lot of vehicles that were vandalized. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just tires slash. Sometimes it's just, it's just uh, knucklehead kids doing stupid things and okay. not really caring for other people's property. But then there are the drug issues. And yes, the drug, Drug addiction uh, causes people to do very desperate and and uncommon things that really don't make a lot of sense to those that aren't suffering through the same thing. So, yeah, uh, we, we just had a burglar um, earlier this year that was apprehended by patrol, but our detectives were able to connect that burglar to a series of smash and grab burglaries that occurred at businesses uh, throughout the city. And that, and it was, you know, if you own a small business, a lot of these were small businesses that that you know, they got to now pay for these expensive windows to be replaced. And we're talking some places, no property was even stolen or very minimal property, a low dollar amount property was stolen. So it's just, it's not even worth the damage that was done. Yeah. I mean, I mean, most businesses would have, excuse me, a a thousand dollar, $5,000 deductible. So that that's real money coming out of their profit margin. Right. Um, you know, as, as far as, uh, you know, the, the opioid addiction issue, how, how much is, is the department involved with that? Uh, have you, have you, are you still making a lot of calls, Narcan calls? We, I can tell you that the number of overdose deaths are down significantly, even from last year. And last year, I believe we had somewhere in the eighties, there were 80 overdose deaths, which seemed like a large number, but the year before we had over 120 and, and we kind of peaked in that year, I believe, uh, 2017, I think that's right around where we peaked. Last year was a significant reduction, and yes, I believe Narcan had a lot to do with it, but there still is that um, problem out there. And the drug has changed. Now we're starting to see a lot more crystal meth, which we don't see the overdose deaths as much with those who become addicted to crystal meth. Uh, The heroin and the uh, fentanyl, yeah, we did. But people are now gravitating towards meth a little more. So that has something to do with it, I'm sure. But we are drastically down in overdose deaths this year compared to even last year. How, how about the prevention? Because you have to make the meth. I mean, there, there's all of these different hoops. You, you can't buy, you know, Tylenol D at, over the counter anymore or, or what have you. I, I mean, has, has that brought all that stuff down at all? Well, it, it did, but it changed, it changed the game a little bit. So we're not okay. seeing as much of the... You know the the one pot homegrown low grade meth. We're seeing some higher quality meth, like that's mass being produced. imported. Yeah, it's being brought in, mass produced uh, crystal meth. Um, where from? Um, I I couldn't even venture to tell you, but I know that Mexico is a source for a lot of that that comes up into the country. And what we're seeing here uh, is consistent with what you'd see coming up through Mexico. So it's just the quality's improved uh, of the drug, but we're seeing it. it actually shipped here in large, large amounts by dealers. We're talking to Deputy Chief Mike Nolan. What keeps you up at night, uh, Chief? Uh, 
Uh, well, I have three grandkids, and I have a six-year-old grandson who, um, with that in- incident with Nyan Warren, I, I couldn't help but just imagine what that family could have been going through. But I do. I worry about the kids. I worry about where, you know, these days, when I was in high school, you know, I went to Strong Vincent, and I graduated in 1987, and we had uh, just very diverse group of students. There was an inner city school. Uh, but we all seemed to get along back then. It was just, it didn't matter. No one really saw anybody. Your, your uh, ethnicity or your race or your, your status in life just wasn't out there right in front of you. Everybody kind of judged each other by how they acted, whether they're a good guy or not a good guy. Oh yeah, we had our problems, but nowadays it just seems like these young kids are, there's always a risk of extreme violence with even the most minor types of confrontations and incidents. Kids are going to fight. Kids are going to do dumb things, but it just it shocks me now that we're in a time where uh, those small issues uh, tend to end up in extreme violence and 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 often homicide or severe injury and people's lives are changed forever because of it because of like disrespect. I yes yeah. There's a lot of times where it's you know what keeps me up at night too on the weekends is one incident you know with that one incident where somebody bumped into somebody at a party or, or at some club and uh, there wasn't an apology fast enough or maybe none at all. And then it turns into an argument. And then, you know, next thing you know, we have uh, a series of violent incidents, re- retaliation back and forth. It all stemmed from nothing. So uh, th- those types of things do keep me up. But uh, the, the kids, just the kids and how quick they are to think that they've accepted violence as part of their life now. And that shouldn't be that way. We ran into, we were at the community center, what was it, two uh, two weeks ago, Shane, right? Uh, when uh, one of the patrolmen was playing basketball with the kids. It just, just again, it just simple outreach, you know, nothing, you know, wasn't even a police athletic league or whatever. Just, just a couple guys saying, you know, I'm going to go and make relationships with children. Um, it really, it really starts with, you know, uh, an affinity to understand law enforcement, you know, and law enforcement to understand uh, kids from different backgrounds and things. But it also starts with families, I would think. Yes, families. We see a lot of these kids, uh, they really crave that attention. They crave attention from our officers, the young ones, you know. Yeah. Uh, as they get a little bit older, they get a little more timid, but the young ones just really uh, crave the attention. I know that um, both are. Uh, Male and female officers really uh, have have really good interaction. We we have uh, uh, recently promoted Corporal Jamie Russo, who who kind of oh, runs the program. My cousin. Okay, yeah, he well he just got promoted. Good for him. <laughs> so he's uh, he's running a program there at the Booker T. Washington Center, where it's a it's a um, um, it's non enforcement. It's interacting with kids, mentoring and and discussing cigarette, alcohol, tobacco, mm-hmm. alcohol, and drug use with these kids, and, and showing them alternatives. And it's really been a real good, big success there. And we're expanding that. We're going to the boys' club too. Mm-hmm. And this is separate from the Pow League and all the good yeah. work Tommy Lennox does. I mean, that thing, that that police athletic league is just really a huge success. And those are efforts that we really have gotten behind, and we really um, want to make sure we continue to to, to do that and expand. You know, we do have a reduced uh, complement over the last decade or so. Yeah. So we do, we're still trying to work within uh, that. But as it stands now, we're going to continue those efforts because we know how important they are. Last minute, uh, any summer efforts, uh, 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 cops back on bikes th- this summer? We do. We have, we have two officers back. They're already on the bikes downtown. 
Okay. Uh, as soon as the weather broke, uh, they were they were uh, assigned that. And um, we you'll see more of us out um, as it, as these events, these community events uh, are scheduled and they yeah. take place. Uh, we make an effort now to make sure we have officers there representing the police, and so people can interact and speak with them in a in a non enforcement type of thing where it's not sure. on a call. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we and we have the Powell League camp coming up too. So that's another big deal for us. Well, I really appreciate your candor and and just sharing uh, the story of of the hard work that the officers are are doing throughout the Erie Police Force. Deputy Chief Mike Nolan from the Criminal Investigation Department. And uh, again, on on these open cases, we wish you well. And uh, we just encourage uh, listeners, if you know something you got to call the police. What's what's the non-emergency number? Uh, non-emergency non number is 870-1125. Welcoming to the microphone, Jamie Stoger. She is the Director of Court Advocacy for the Crime Victim Center of Erie County. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Now, well, this is a family show, so we'd like to kind of get an idea of where people are coming from. Are, okay. Did you grow up in Erie I or are you a transplant? I am a transplant. I am originally from Thompson, Ohio. Population. Where is that by? It is about half hour over the line, right off 90. Oh, Thompson. Yeah, like Thompson, Thompson Drag, Drag Race. Strip. Yep, yep. That's yep, what we yep. know that for. Population we... of about 2,400. <laughs> So very Did you go to time. the drag races? We no, uh, twice, maybe. <laughs> okay, I'll be honest. No, yeah. we we di we didn't. And how did you get on. involved in uh, court advocacy in this kind of line of work? This is my actual second job. Actually, out of college, I went to Mercyhurst. Um, mm -hmm. Graduated in '98, and I worked at Gannondale School for Girls for 11 years. Um, and after the birth of my son in '09, I decided uh, I need a change of. You pace. might know my sister Connie Osiki. Is that a ring a bell? I may. Yeah, it's a long time. Ago. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She worked. Yeah, she's been all over the place. And, yeah. and uh, um, so cool. All right, so tell us a little bit about the Crime Victim Center. What's the mission, right. and what do you attempt we, to do? There? We are we are here to to help victims of crime. We have um, a ton of services. Everything is free, confidential. Um, anything from community education, prevention education, to court advocacy, counseling. Um, help with restitution, victims' compensation, which goes through the state. Mm -hmm. um, so really, any any type of crime could have been something that happened 60 years ago wow. that you're finally ready to talk about. Could have been something that happened yesterday. So, so um, do you have a, a staff of counselors? We or? have we have counselors. Um, quick count, ten, wow. I believe. Um, that number may be wrong. We've been hiring some new people. So we have 10 counselors. Um, we're all, they're all stationed at the office on 18th street. Um, and we also, I think just about all of them have uh, satellite offices. So we're in Northeast Edinburgh, Gerard, Corey, Union city as well. Now, do they also do the court advocacy they, or they do with clients, their ongoing clients who have court, yeah. um, who have trial. So if, if you're going in to see a counselor, they're the ones who are going to go through the court process with you. Okay. What, what is, what is a typical case? Are we talking mostly domestics or it, it could be just about anything, it, right? You no, know, honestly, it varies. Um, and even the amount vary. I remember when I started, we were down at court for two weeks straight just and, and never came back to the office. All kinds of different cases. Now, yeah, everything. Retail theft to homicide, everything. Um, now it's, uh, we're, we're not down there quite as often. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of assaults. We do see assaults, um, domestic violence, um, just other assaults, sexual assault. We're having a lot of sexual assaults come through, I feel like, um, the court system, which is good. 
so you're so you, are you um so you're talking about rape or are you talking about juveniles what are you i mean all, all of the, the above yeah, yep all of the above all of the wow. above so so That's we are sad. seeing though it is sad um but it is it's it's good to see them coming through the criminal justice process and and, and those victims are having their day in court. And, yeah, so that so that to, they're not they're not being pushed aside yes, for some yes, reason or mm-hmm. or another. Um, do you feel that uh, the the public, especially in Erie County, is getting more aware of the the services that the Crime Victim Center? They are. We we have really pushed to get ourselves out there, get our message out there. Um, you know, and it, we have more than counseling. We're, we're, we're in the schools doing um, prevention education. We have a team of four, four or five that go out into the schools and do, do education into the schools. Um, and with the court advocacy team, we're trying to really make sure that we're there for, for court for people, um, especially early on. Um, and we're getting a lot of, I know, I believe our counseling numbers are up. Um, and our hotline calls are up, I believe as okay. well. So people are hearing us and, and they're calling us and they're asking us questions. You know, what can you do? If you can't do something, who can I go to? Um, so we're really, really pushing to get out there. We're getting a lot of positive feedback from, from the public in general. You know, we, we just had the deputy chief and he was talking about, we had, a, we, you know, our, our gun or gang related violence and our gun violence is down, but our domestic yes. uh, homicides are up. Um, but I would imagine uh, when you think about some of the high profile cases, there are so many people that are surrounding that that injured or that deceased mm-hmm. uh, uh, victim. Um, there would be a lot of people that you would need to support. Yeah. Yeah. And you I brought, mean, you parents. Brought, yeah. And you siblings. brought up the homicides and we handle homicides a little bit differently than most okay. cases. When there is a homicide, whether it's in the city or the, the county um, overall, we as soon as we get word of that, we assign a counselor to the family. So all the counselors have ongoing caseload of homicide cases going. And our hom- it, it, at Crime Victim Center, we consider homicide um, basically anything where there is a death. So if it's not statistically a homicide, but there is a death, we will still assign somebody to that. So DUI, um, death by distribution, which we've had come through, um, anything like that, we will assign a counselor to. So Have they, you been engaged in the opioid crisis a we, bit? We've had quite a few death by distribution cases. Yeah. Um, we have seen those fall off. Um, I'm, I'm the one in charge of, of assigning the homicide cases, so we have yeah. seen those fall off. Um, we want to make sure that family has a go-to person for everything because there's a lot going on. They've got people mm. coming from everywhere, and they're, they're confused. You know, They just don't know how things are going to play out. So we want to make sure they have a specific person they can go to bounce questions off of, go to meetings with, go to court with. And then the advocacy team will step in with for trial if need be to help with witness management and to make sure the witnesses are, are available for testimony. How confusing, how confusing is the system for a victim? Very. It can be very confusing. There what, is, what are we facing there? It's so say something happens tonight. We'll just, let's go like a burglary. So yeah. you, you file the police report. Um, hopefully they make an arrest right away. That's not always the case, though, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as that arrest is made, they will file charges um, and it'll go through the DA's office. DA will approve the charges. It'll then have a preliminary hearing. Um, technically, those need to happen, I think, I believe within a week or two of the charges being filed. Um, in a perfect world, the preliminary hearing, ha- hearing happens and we move forward. 
A lot of times they'll get those get continued though. Right. Um, but sometimes once, they're months later. Yes. Yes. So once, and we do have an advocate down at the courthouse for those preliminary hearings who will, they meet with every victim that comes through the courthouse for those and, and gets them through that process. Um, a multitude of things could happen at the preliminary hearing, but once it does get kicked up to criminal court, so basically the charges get bound over to criminal court. Then we have an informal arraignment up there. Yeah. Now you're looking at another probably six to eight weeks on that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe four to six weeks, depending on where the prelim falls. And then trial could be two months out. It could be nine months out. Right. It's hard to say. So we're just really there to make sure, you know, we explain at the prelim level, this is what could happen. And the victim is kind of sitting there dealing with their losses. And looking at us. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. And we make sure we give out a pamphlet and we give out some paperwork and, Mm You know, very much I've, I've told people, I know you've heard nothing I've said, and that's OK. Read this when you get home. Right. Call me if you have any questions, because it's a lot to take in. It's a lot yeah. to take in. And we do, we just try to make that a little bit easier. Um, and there's just there's so many parts in play. And there's thousands of cases. I can't remember what the, I, the president judge told us, but it's yeah. some enormous amount of cases. Mm-hmm. And and, and it, I would imagine it's not not everybody is empathetic. No. In, in the courthouse, correct? Not necessarily, no. You know, and it's hard. You know, you get, you get maybe, you know, somebody who was an offender and now they're a victim. Right. And we yeah. handle them the same, but sometimes, you know, that can be hard. Um, and I remember uh, one, one jury I sat on where the perp was much more uh, sympathetic character than the victim. The mm-hmm. victim was a toughie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we see people who are who are victims multiple times for whatever reason. And, you know, when you're let down so many times and things happen to you so many times, it can be really hard to Mm -hmm. to even, you know, care. And and that's why we really try to get out there and get the counseling and let's work through this. And it it doesn't matter if it's happened to you five times, it's not okay. And and you, you deserve justice and you deserve to move on from this. I mean, you are the advocate for that person. Mm -hmm. Yes. When maybe there are no other advocates. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't matter your past that we're there for you to, to help you through that process. So we're talking to Jamie Stoger. She is the um, director of court advocacy for the crime victim center. How are you funded? We are funded through, um, Lots of ways. We have lots of grants floating around. Is there any fee for service here? There's not not fees. not not fee for the victim, but no. maybe to is there state programs that you're we we are funded through several programs that I believe it trickles down from I'm I'm still learning all the grants. Sure, so I believe yeah. they're, they're coming down, trickle down from federal. But we have uh Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape funds us. Um Raza and Vojo, which are basically the adult and juvenile advocacy. Um okay. I what they mean is is escaping me at the moment uh-huh. we also have pennsylvania Co- um commission on crime and delinquency that fund um so we get a lot of the, the federal funding state funding um donations fundraisers as well obviously big for us and we're always looking for grants where you know that come from other i'm, I'm currently working on a grant with northeast police department to try to expand services into the county so you know you have a grant writer on staff or, we do. or development director we, we do um I'm I'm going to take this one. I'm going to take the bull by the horns on this. And, <laughs> okay, and do you're going to make one. it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. So, but, you know, and 
the director of clinical services and the director of prevention education were always looking out for grants and stuff, whether they were at the city or the county or other organizations mm-hmm. um, to get that money in. So we get that money in and it helps us work with other organizations. We have partnerships with a lot, lot of other organizations. Um, I mean, this so is a heavy duty through. human resource yes. uh, organization yes. because it's people upon people. I mean, yes. you know, uh, it's yes. not like you're buying a lot of technology. This is just no. humans being available to help. Yep, absolutely. We're talking to Jamie uh, Stoger. She is the director of court advocacy for the Crime Victim Center. One of the one of the things about our community that, that's got to be painful for a victim is when you know that somebody knows something about your loved one or your or, or yourself's um, victimization mm-hmm. or the crime that happened against you, and and nobody's talking. Yes. It's, it's frustrating for the victim. It's frustrating for us. It's frustrating for law enforcement, I think uh, Mike said. So it is. It's, it's, you know, so many, so many people are, are, are working together as a community to, to try to lower crime and, and basically make Erie safer. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have people who aren't cooperating, it, it's, it's, it's extremely frustrating. And you're telling victims, go for, you know, go forward stand up for you know your rights and, and get that justice and you, you deserve this but nobody's the people who can basically make that happen aren't do, so you, do you i mean again you 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 deal with some of the people that um you know that uh, get into situations mm-hmm. where, where it's kind of tough is there any understanding why that would be is there is retaliation a real I, thing I, I think there's that fear yes yeah. um you know i can't speak to what you know, offenses have happened that have been solely retaliation, but it, I think that's an absolute fear that if, you know, especially with, with the group violence that was going on and, and those types of crimes, I think there is a fear that if I talk, something's going to happen to me or something's going to happen to my family. Mm. Um, and I, that's, it, I've heard that from people directly. Um, and I've, you know, you kind of, sometimes they don't want to talk. You, you, you're talking to a victim or a witness and they, they're hesitant and you just kind of get that feeling that that's the issue is that they're, they're fearful for themselves at this point. What do you guys do uh, to develop that trust level? With, with a lot of it's just talking, you know, you have very different victims and a lot with the court advocacy where a lot of times we're meeting these people for the first time at trial um, or at a preliminary hearing. It's just, it's just forming that relationship as quickly as you can. Sometimes it's just small talk, just, talking about the weather or sports or whatever, and just kind of getting that relationship. And then you can kind of start getting into, I guess, deeper conversations. When you're there for trial, you're probably sitting around for a good two, three hours waiting for a jury selection. So you have that time to to really sit and and develop at least a little bit of a relationship with those people. And this organization isn't that old, is it? No, we started in 1973 as as solely rape crisis. Um, And I believe it was... I'm going to say mid nineties, they took, they took on the victim witness services as well. Um, so, so yeah, we're just 40, the whole concept of victim uh, services is in the last 25 years. Yeah. Or so. 25, 30 years. Yes. Wow. Yes. And so what did, what did people just kind of floated out there? Huh? I, yeah. I think it just, I think as, as the, the rape crisis services got going, they saw a need for, for other, other things. And obviously there are other, other crimes. So um, they, they took that on and expanded and, so we're, you know, like I said earlier, we're there for, you know, any, doesn't matter if it's just your mailbox got smashed. Well, 
we're there yeah. to help you. So tell you what, the, the, the most infuriating thing is this whole um, uh, porch stealing stuff, you know, yeah. we're right in front of the cameras, too, yes. which is crazy. Yes. We have less than five minutes. I want you okay. to talk about prevention because we can do things uh, as individuals. We can do things in, in, in our in our groups. To, to kind of prevent crime. Yes. I mean, it's it's a lot of it. A lot of what we try to teach is a lot of it's a bystander. So if you see something happening, stepping in, stepping in. Um, and our our prevention education department is fantastic. Like, like I said, they are going into schools and they will do um, good secrets, bad secrets all the way, you know, sexting, cyberbullying, um, anything like that. And, and, and you know, it starts early. I, I believe they start the good touch, bad cut. Bad touch at like preschool wow. um, yeah. and it goes all the way through. So, it, and a lot of it with the schools is just reiterating year after year. This is what you can do. These are red flags. You know, if you see this happening, this is what you can do. And this is who you can talk to. And it doesn't just apply to sexual assault. It, it really can apply to anything. Um, are are you doing anything, anything with the, with violence uh, between um, the uh, juveniles? I mean, I mean, some of that stuff, you know, that we're seeing on YouTube or whatever, some of the violence there. Uh, I mean, we got to bring the temperature down at some of our schools. Yeah, yeah. I, they're they're working towards. I, I and I'm be honest. I don't know exactly what yeah. schools they're in. Um, but we are working towards. You know, and as the crimes change and as technology changes, what we're doing in the schools has to change a little bit. And we really do rely on the schools a lot to say, you know what, we're having a lot of issues with, you know, cyber stalking. Yeah. Can we can we have a presentation on that? Or wow. we're having issues with this. Can we have a presentation? And and they are fantastic at changing up what they have to make it apply to, to whatever issue that particular school might be going through. And even just going into the community, being part of different organizations, different task forces, you know, and again, building relationships with the community as as the victim agency to say, this is what we can do to stay safe. And this is, you know, if you see something, this is what you can do. If if you're fearful, you can you can go about it this route, you know, do an anonymous tip, whatever it might be. Um, what about prevention? Think, you know, just smart things like the buddy system and, and you know, locking your doors, keeping yep. your porch light yep. on. I mean, I mean, there's things that we can it's, do that yeah. are deterrents, you know, all of the above. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Lock your doors. Um <laughs> I, I, heard, I heard, I heard, I heard Mike talking about right. the cars and I, we've seen, we've seen it in our neighborhood. People just walking down the street, pulling on just cars pulling on cars, and we just kind of waved at them. But I mean, if you see somebody uh, kind of mixing up with another person, I mean, I know, I know it could be dangerous, but the, just a shouting of, Hey, what's yeah, going on yeah, here? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that sometimes that's, that's all it takes is you just shouting out and yelling and just making them aware that you see them. Um, that can be enough to deter. But again, I think people are nervous to do that right. because they don't know that person and they don't know how that person is going to react. I was um, proud of my neighbors uh, earlier in the month. Um, there was a there was a bad accident uh, just on the corner. I live in, in the mm -hmm. city and uh, and uh, the woman started moving. Uh, the you know one of the, yep. uh, basically the the perpetrator driver was started moving and my neighbors got in front of her you got to stop that car yep. turn that key down I mean they were screaming yeah. at her but and it turns out that she ended up uh, being escorted you know arrested okay. for yeah. DUI yeah I mean and it's just a bad situation and that's, but, and that's definitely a big thing that we really do try to teach is, is bystander and if if you're seeing something happening or you feel like something's just not right stepping in saying something, doing something, whatever you need to do, because um, that itself can prevent something from happening.
In our last minute, how do people reach out to you all? They can call us at 455-9515 or 455-9414. We have somebody available 24-7. So even if it's after hours, you can call. You'll be connected with a counselor and advocate. And it's one of those things, just like we learn in uh, mandatory reporting school, you know, you don't have to decide whether something is weird or not. Just tell it and let the experts to figure it out. Yep. Yeah. And if you have a question on something like that, that's something that we can help you with if you give us a call. So, 100%. so what is, yeah, I mean, and again, especially for the kids, you, yes. you've got to make sure that the kids are safe. Yes. Yes. And that is that is top priority. I know with, with my own child, that's he knows what he needs to do wow. in situations. So um, as a, making as parents, making Erie a safer place. Yes, hopefully that's what we're working for. Appreciate it. Jamie Stoger, she is the uh, Director of Court Advocacy at the Crime Victim Center. And uh, again, they even have a, a toll-free number at 800-352-7273. Thanks for, so much no for problem. sharing Thanks your for insights and, and, and letting us know what's up there. 